undefeated heavyweight prospect Odie Delaney. Appreciate the time, man. Uh, how's life on your side of the world right now? Hey, man, things are good. And hey, I appreciate you uh, having me on here, man. I like I like getting a little bit of exposure. Kumite TV is awesome, man. Thank you so much, man. Uh, let's jump right into it. Your background is in wrestling. You know, you have so many accolades, man. You're the All-American, state champion, you know, Division One All-American. I think four conference championships. You know, we'll get into that, but I want to talk about your beginnings as a wrestler. Did you start wrestling early like everybody else, or did you start a little bit later on? Uh, you know, I grew up in Alaska with a, a ton of older cousins, so it kind of started as a way to survive cookouts, you know. <laughs> uh <laughs> You know, when I got the opportunity to actually get into a wrestling room um, in Florida, uh, yeah, I jumped right on it, man. And, you know, I was horrible at first, but it was something that just became a passion and I, I, I've never been able to stop, you know. <laughs> it must have been crazy to have so many, like you said, you know, you have cousins and everybody's wrestling and it, there's a wrestling match going on everywhere you go probably, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I started doing it just to kind of defend myself and then, you know, fell in love. So um yeah like i said i haven't been able to stop i um i wrestled in middle school a little bit in alaska it was horrible went down to florida wrestled my freshman year was horrible but then i just i started taking off you know stuck with it how did you end up in florida you were in alaska growing up you said middle school what's what's the connection yeah. there to florida i was born and raised in alaska and then my mom married my stepdad who's a fighter pilot in the air force and you know he got stationed in florida so me and my whole family moved down to Florida. And that's, that's really where the wrestling took off. Cause I, I was able to get some pretty high level training, um, do that thing. So that was good. Were you always in love with the wrestling or did it form in Florida? Uh, it kind of formed in Florida. I think, um, you know, Sergey Conor McGregor's head wrestling coach. Um, Sergey was actually one of my high school wrestling coaches and, uh, he kind of instilled that love for wrestling in me. So he's a phenomenal coach and, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of put that love for it in me you know and kind of showed me what i could do in it so yeah thank you sir yeah 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 definitely is that where you realized that you could take this you know further with your life you know what i mean yeah rest back then wrestling was kind of all i cared about i mean i ate slight and drank wrestling i mean i woke up ran to school five miles um i would wrestle and play football just to stay in shape for wrestling wrestle in the off season um, yeah, it was around that time when I decided that, you know, I could actually do something in athletics. So at that point I set my sights on becoming an all American. Why did you decide to go to the Citadel uh, of, out of all the colleges in the United States? Yeah. So academically, uh, I've always had a little bit of trouble, um, learning disability and spelling and written language. So I knew I had to be somewhere with a lot of discipline, um, that kind of forced me to do my schoolwork and I thought it would be good for my development, you know, as a man. So I chose the Citadel for those reasons. You know, it's a it's a military academy that's um, very, very well renowned. And, uh, you know, people, you know, as far as like getting a job, people know who you are if you come from the Citadel. You know, it's it's got a strict honor code. You got to be you got to mind your P's and Q's to even get through that place. So, yeah, I, I picked that for that reason. I, I mentioned earlier you were a Division One All-American, four conference championships your time at the Citadel, how can you describe that in a couple sentences? You know, it must have been oh, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, the the saying is, you know, it's it's horrible to be there, but it's it's awesome to be from there. You know, it's it's a tough school. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you got to balance academics, the military side of things, 
um, your personal life. You have, they give you way more duties than you can possibly get done in the amount of time there is in a day. So you have to balance all of those things and still achieve, you know, athletically and academically. So it was, it was tough, but I came out on the other side a much stronger person. Definitely. Most likely mentally stronger than more more anything, I guess. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, man, you wouldn't believe how many times that I would sit in my room just like Googling other schools, you know, where can I get a scholarship somewhere else? You know, how can I get out of this hell? You know, but thank you. I Thankfully, I have parents that just wouldn't let me quit, you know, and uh, kind of instilled that in me from a young age that you never quit. So I stuck it out and I'm glad I did. What were some of the, the obstacles that you had to overcome during your time there? Um, hmm. I mean, just having too many difficult things to handle all at once. Like I said, I mean, you're away from your family. You don't, your whole first year, you pretty much don't get to see your family for, I mean, almost for a year straight, a weekend here and there, maybe. Um, so just being away from your support system and finally getting to a point in life where it's like, okay, I've got to do this all by myself. You know, I've got a, the time management, the mental toughness, you know, the go get it attitude. Like I've got to, I've got to drive that all in myself and get it done. So it kind of, kind of turns you into a man, you know, all of that, you know, all those years at the Citadel, it, it got you inducted into the Citadel athletic hall of fame. How was that day? Amazing. I mean, that was gotta be one of the highlights of my life. You know, um, I had, you know, being from that school is a really tight knit group. You know, everybody knows each other. And, uh, you know, I, I heard a lot of the names that were in, you know, the Citadel Hall of Fame and just absolute legends, you know, um, not only athletically, but militarily, you know, patriots that just, you know, a lot of them gave their, you know, their lives for this country. And just to be just to have my name next to theirs in the Citadel Hall of Fame, it's just such an honor. Like sometimes I feel like I don't even belong up there with those guys, you know, but. Man, I am proud to be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, your your story is still being written, so you know, you never know what's gonna That's happen right. at the end, right? <laughs> now, after Absolutely. you graduate, you you continue wrestling, or did you just stop and 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 get into a career? Yeah. So after the Citadel, um, I kind of my 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 undergrad was in criminal justice, um, and I kind of fell in love with law enforcement. I fell in love with, you know, I've always been a patriot, but I've I kind of felt the the duty to do something with my degree and, you know, all these other guys around me were, you know, getting deployed, signing up with the military. And I thought that I could uh, make a huge difference in law enforcement. So um, I went ahead and got a job with the Charleston city police department right there. Same, same town, the Citadel's in and uh, got started there. Yeah. During your time in Charleston, you earned a, an award for valor for the, the Charleston massacre nine um, man. Yeah. It must've been one of the most, you know, you've been through a lot already, but man, that is probably another level in your life. Uh, like, like, like I said earlier, just uh, your story continuing uh, the chapter of adversity, man. How was looking back at that moment? You know, it's what do you, what do you think? What can you tell people? What can you? What did you learn from that experience? Um, I'd say that the number one thing I learned from that experience is what hatred can do. Um, if you let hatred fester in your heart. Um, for, a t for a group of people or, um, I mean, really towards anything, it's going to destroy you and it's going to destroy other people. So what I witnessed during that tragedy was, you know, what hatred kind of, what it leads to, what, what it, you know, what it finally plays out as, you know, which is, was that horrible day. Um, 
Oh yeah. That, that day changed my life forever. Um, Hmm. Well, one thing, you know, kind of not only mentally, but physically, you know, after that day, I, I developed a panic attack disorder. I would have panic attacks all the time, you know, and, uh, that kind of forced my hand to get out of law enforcement. And honestly, like, that's kind of what put me back into the athletics. Um, I loved what I did. I loved my job. Um, after I developed the panic attacks, I realized that I couldn't really do it effectively. I was a danger to myself and the guys that were around me. Um, so I kind of made the decision that, you know, I need to get into something, uh, you know, where I can make a real difference, you know, and um, that's kind of why I'm doing MMA. I, I'm not really in for the fame, the glory and the riches. I'm, I'm in MMA to build a platform so that I can spread, you know, the message of love, hope and peace, you know, and uh, fight hatred on the front line. You know, I, I want to be able to be an example for a lot of young men and women um, and kind of kind of do something about it. You know, this world is full of just hate right now. And, um, you know, you can sit behind your computer and Facebook about it all day long, you know, but in, unless you get out and do something, you're what, I mean, how are you helping? You know? Yeah. I think that's the, that's the main question is how are you helping? Right. It's not, you right. know, people are out there doing criminal acts where, you know, it doesn't have nothing to do with what's going on in the world. They just want to go out there and loot. And, and when you see yeah. that, you know, in the streets, Man, it must you must shake your head and like in a way disgust, right? Because they're just out there doing things just to do it. Like when they're burning buildings down for no reason and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The criminal acts. You know, I mm. I believe in your right to protest. I believe in the First Amendment. You know, I I would die for someone's right to protest, you know, and especially because so many grievances are one hundred percent legitimate. But yeah, to to take advantage of uh, the situation, to conduct criminal acts, to you know to steal—I mean, what good is a TV going to be doing? Like, how does that help anything? Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, you know, there's two sides to the coin. Um, but yeah, I, I do look at the criminal stuff, and I just you know, what the heck is going on with this world right now? And that's why I feel like I need to do something. You know. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Yeah, be a voice, man, and and it's gonna continue. So you could be a voice for many, many years to come. That's that's great, man. Using that platform, that transition, you know, that you had into MMA. Now, when you got into training, was were you a little rusty, or did your body feel right when you, when you got back in and started training MMA? Um, well, I first got into jujitsu, so I started with jujitsu, and that was a really easy, fun transition for me. You know. Um, the style of wrestler I was, I wasn't like a super explosive wrestler. I was kind of a slow, methodical, better my position inch by inch kind of wrestler. And that just worked perfect for jujitsu. So that kind of became my first passion. And then slowly it's like, okay, I love jujitsu. Let's try, let's try striking. And, uh, that's really where I've had a lot of fun is because striking is, it's like ping pong and tennis, man. It's like, it's all combat, but striking is just a whole nother sport. So it's like uh, it kind of reinvigorated me. I got a whole nother thing I get to learn now. And, uh, man, it's coming along really nicely. I'm excited to kind of showcase that. <laughs> That's what everybody loves is those knockouts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone wants the knockout. Yeah. yeah. Especially from the heavyweights, from the, you know, from the bigger weight classes. They want those uh, those massive knockouts. So uh, now going yeah. back to the jiu-jitsu, right, and, and, and being in law enforcement, you know, you hear people say, like, from the outside, they're not actually police officers. They're saying, oh, police officers, they should all have purple belts, you know, if you want to be a police mm -hmm. officer. Is that realistic? 
Uh, I don't know if it's realistic to implement. Is it true that they should be purple belts? Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I avoided having to hurt somebody because I could just manhandle them. You know, um, plenty of times people try to resist, try to fight. But, you know, I'm a big guy and, you know, had a, you know, really good wrestling background and was getting pretty good at jujitsu. Um, I could, there wasn't an incident where, you know, when I had to hold somebody, they could never get away from me. I mean, it was in handcuffs like that. So yeah, I agree that law enforcement officers should be really high level at jujitsu. Um, I like that movement. I don't know how it's going to be implemented. You know, it costs a lot of money. It's a lot of training. It's a lot of injured police training jujitsu, yeah. but, uh, I, I definitely agree with it. I, I think that's the direction we need to move for sure. And also not, and also not everybody's going to be good at jujitsu too, even though you're a police (laughs) officer, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, but the good thing about jujitsu is it does kind of negate some of that, um, size and strength. You know what I mean? If you take a guy that knows even basic jujitsu against a big, strong guy that knows no jujitsu, it's still a pretty one-sided fight. Yeah. Yeah. You take that back and take the deck. It's, it's over. It doesn't matter how big you are. That's right. And you don't know how to defend? Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, now let's talk about your first year as a professional fighter, 2019. You go 2-0. Um, did that year play out like you planned? Um, the one thing that I'm not used to is the difficulty of getting fights. So in wrestling, you're fighting – you're not fighting. You're grappling every weekend. You know, you got a tournament or a dual meet every weekend for seven months straight. You know, and uh, – I don't know if I was just kind of naive, but I thought when I got into fighting, everyone was just going to be down to fight and nobody would care about their record and they'd just go in there and get it. But that's just not the case. You know, I've had so many um, fights try to get lined up and then get declined and declined and declined. And it's um, it's been a really struggle. So I guess the one thing that I kind of didn't like about 2019 is not not enough fights. You got two things going on. You're, you're a heavyweight, which means the the pool of fighters are not as many as other weight classes. And number two, the internet is not good for you, right? Because they could Google <laughs> no. you and find out exactly what you're about, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, the internet doesn't help. Yeah, and, the, you know, the guys I'm training with don't help either. You know, I got mm-hmm. Andre Vlosky, Junior Dos Santos, Philippe Lenz, Greg Hardy, you know, Saeed, Soma. They're, they're all, you know, we train and then they all take pictures. And those get on the Instagram, and then it's like my opponents look at that like, oh, crap, no, I ain't going to do it. So, yeah, it's, it's fun, though. So right now you're currently with American Top Team? Yes, yes. And uh, it's the best move I've ever made in my life. I mean, um, I, I was training with Alan Belcher. That was kind of my first, like, real step into MMA, Alan Belcher, MMA in Mississippi. I love that guy. Alan Belcher is the man. Um, him and Mike Sanford are excellent coaches. The problem is just – um, not enough depth as far as guys, you know what I mean? Like the bigger the team, the more consistent training, you know, cause if your partner gets sick or has to leave town or whatever, you got five more guys that are killers, you know? So American tap team has been really, really good to me. Um, just nothing but killers in that room, man. I mean, there's not one guy in there that's a chump. So it's been really good. It's helped me accelerate quickly. Yeah, especially guys with, you know, Andre Olofsky, man, he's been fighting for, it almost seems like 20 years now, you know, it's just, yeah. he's an OG of the of the sport and having someone to be there next to you and grind with you and seeing the hard work, even though after these many years of being at the top, it's it, it can be very motivating, right? Oh, super motivating. Yeah, and you know, those guys are, 
awesome teachers. You know, they, they can kind of sense my hunger and how, how much I want it and how much I'm willing to work for it. So they've been putting, they've been giving me time, you know, and showing me the ropes and kind of how to get it done. So I'm very confident. The thing is nobody I fight in the near future is going to be anywhere as tough as those guys. You know what I mean? So, you know, I feel sorry for my next opponent. Down there, there's so many coaches. Like, who have you latched onto and, and worked with closely to, to develop yourself? Yeah, um, Steve Mako, I'd say, you know, is the man. I mean, we kind of come from the same background as far as wrestling goes, wrestling, then MMA. Um, so he's been he's been instrumental to my development. Um, Steve Bruno has helped a lot with my striking. Uh, but King Mo, King, King Mo has been really, really good for me. You know, he... Uh, me and him have kind of become friends and uh, yeah, he, he's got my back. He's the one, you know, in sparring, telling me what to do, what not to do, you know, yelling at me. He, he'll be the one cornering my next fight. So yeah, King Mo is probably my, my main guy with along with Steve Mako. I feel King Mo, since he just retired, he's going to become like within the next couple of years, one of the best coaches in the game, you know, even though he's been coaching while he was fighting, but man, now he can focus purely on the coaching He's going to have, and he has a stable of killers, you know, like yourself, where he yeah. just, just embeds the knowledge, man. It's going to be pretty insane man, what he's going to do. I'll tell you something about King Mo. The reason that that's going to come true is because that guy cares. I mean, um, if you come to him and you're like, and it doesn't matter when it is, and you're like, hey, man, show me how to do this, show me how to do that. I get caught here. Man, he just, he has a heart for this stuff and he has a heart for people. And uh, that's kind of what drew me to him. You know, I, I love his character as a man, you know, um, and that's why we connected, you know. So he's, he's going to be a phenomenal coach, you know, and he's going to have a lot of loyal fi fighters following him for sure. <clears throat> so so what's the plan? Do you have a fight coming up in the summer? Anything booked? It, it seems like. Uh... Um, yeah. So Impact Fitness in uh, Panama City, Florida, they've got a guy named Rashawn Jackson. He's like a five and three guy. He. Um, he, he agreed to fight me in uh, August, August 1st, but uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, <laughs> if, I guess uh, I guess we'll wait and see. But I really, really hope that he steps up to the plate and we get it in. Do you do you see yourself possibly filling in the spot for the contender series? That's also in August. I've been hearing like they're going to have like four shows that month. Um, yeah. You know, if you can't find a fight, I don't see why not. Why would the UFC wouldn't allow you that opportunity? Yeah, I, I hope that they would. Um, I know my record is small right now, but, uh, you know, they can just they can just call ATT and ask if I'm ready. They'll tell them, you know, um, it's, I'm a competitor. I'm, I'm ready for the next level. You know, I'm, I'm ready to graduate. Um, my record's small right now, but it's going to build. It's going to build quick. I'll take fights. I'll fight whoever. Um so, yeah, I mean, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to get in there. You know, I hang with the best and the best out there. So come on. So it seems like you just ready. Like, hey, I could take a late notice fight. Put me in basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've trained right through the, this quarantine, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, and I'm, I'm one of those guys, I'm a year round trainer, you know, division one wrestlers. Um, we didn't really do the whole fight camp you know, and then rest thing. We train all the time off season. We're training. I'm used to it and I don't burn out. So, uh, that's what I've been doing. So yeah, I'm ready to go. 
All right, man. Well, it was good getting to know you, and and hopefully you do get signed. I can see you by at least at the latest by next year. You know, what I mean, you'll be in some big promotion, and then everybody will be talking about you, man. So keep doing what you do. Keep working hard, man. You have the a great team, great coaches, and uh, all you need to do is put in that work, and you'll be there, right? All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate you, man.